What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we've got Mike McKay back on the show to catch us up to speed on what's been going on at Folsom and to go over Folsom Ski's lineup for this coming season. And then near the end, Mike actually flips the script on me and he asks me a question about how things have been at Blister and what's going on. And I drop a little bit of a teaser there, just a little teaser. Then we conclude by talking about what we're celebrating this week. Now, two things here. First of all, when I was recording this conversation with Mike, I was admittedly very much in the grips of what I've come to call buyer's guide brain. We were absolutely gunning to put the finishing touches on our 2021 buyer's guide and get it submitted to the printer. And it is always like a wildly stressful and difficult like week pretty much. So us talking about the guide and trying to get that thing submitted, it comes up a few times in this conversation, but please rest assured that the guide did get turned in and now it is out of our hands and it is in the hands of our printer. So we will continue to update you all with the progress on that, but our best understanding is that the guide will ship out in about a week. We'd been saying mid-October, and that still looks to be correct. On a related note, I know that by now you've all heard the news about Powder Magazine and Bike Magazine and Surfer and a number of other publications that are either being canceled entirely or at a minimum, they are at least killing off their print aspects of the company. And honestly, this is just another reminder that we all need to support the publications that bring you or that bring me real value. And you know what? I'd actually also say that if a certain publication doesn't bring you value, don't support it. But if you enjoy a particular newspaper or a particular outdoor publication, support it or these things go away. That's how it works. And I actually kind of think that's how it should work. Now, as for us, the best thing you can do to show your support is to become a Blister member or purchase our buyer's guide. I can honestly say that I think our buyer's guide is unique and in a league of its own and that nothing like it really existed until we started doing it. It is a massive, massive effort to produce it every year and the only way that it can or should continue to exist is if it is found to be a valuable resource for you, our community. We make this thing for you. So anyway, you can become a Blister member on our site and a Blister membership includes a print edition of the Buyer's Guide or you can purchase the Buyer's Guide individually. Okay, one other thing. Many of you know that we here at Blister are based in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And you know what? 
you could be based here too and live and work in this mountain town that we certainly love since COVID has dramatically changed how the world is doing business and many people are now working remotely. So why not live in a place you've always dreamed of? The Gunnison Valley is located between four spectacular mountain ranges with over 750 miles of biking and hiking single track. We've got world-class skiing and an award-winning school system. So imagine waking up here every morning, no traffic, no crowded trails. Well, I mean, I did see one person on my bike ride tonight, and then I also passed like 30 times more cows than that one person. Anyway, there would be no more wishing that you lived in the mountains. You just live here. Here in the Gunnison Valley, you really can work where you play. And to help you get started on, you know, your journey here, visit icelab.co. That's icelab.co. Okay, and now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Folsom's Mike McCabe. Well, Mike McCabe, welcome back to Gear 30. Yeah, excited to be here, man. I think this is, uh, what, our fourth? You're kidding. This is our fourth? I was thinking about it earlier today, and I know the first one that we did was kind of that roundtable discussion that we had with uh, Mark from Parlor and Pete from Wagner. Mm -hmm. um, that would have been probably 2015, if not 16, so okay. quite some time ago, and then... We've had a few conversations since then with our, our primary hammer edition and yep. then our blister pro one Oh four. Yep. So yeah, okay. this is a uh, number four becoming, yeah, becoming a, uh, a fun kind of annual for us here. <laughs> well, my first question, which I guess is my first question with just everybody pretty much in my entire life, I'd love to just get caught up in hearing like how things have been going for you guys at Folsom, which I guess could date back from as far as, last spring or through this summer, you know, as we are working our way into the fall now, give us a bit of an update. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, to kind of just give you a big abstract across the entire from COVID to current, you know, we certainly had a pretty abrupt just season closed, just like everybody else late March kind of scratching our heads, trying to figure out if we can, you know, keep the doors open, trying to keep everybody healthy, trying to do our part. And, um, you know, notice that a couple other companies within the industry had started manufacturing some some PPE face shields. So we chose to, to move into that pretty quickly with uh, assistance of some other companies with actually Parler and uh, Shaggy Skis um, to kind of just help us uh, enter that market with a little bit more ease, uh, not to... to lean into that one too much right now but there was some pretty big complications with material sourcing and, and you know just getting the ball moving there but we saw a big need for that particular product and knew that we had the manufacturing capability and uh we're capable of keeping our doors open and, and and building those things safely so we did that for a few weeks and um pretty quickly pivoted into more uh like plexiglass partition ppe manufacturing just as we kind of saw the, the bottom fall out on those face shields, really just the market and the need for them got just saturated quickly. And we saw kind of a different place that we needed to insert ourselves. So 
we segued into that and that has kept us extremely busy on top of ski manufacturing and sales up to current. Uh, that said, outside of really just April and May, we've had record setting ski sales months. Our summer's been extremely strong. We've uh, been busier than we've ever been in the past on a smaller staff. You know, I, I did furlough a few guys up front and brought everybody back as fast as I could. But yeah, it's it's been a pretty wild just ride throughout this entire summer, seeing ski sales, you know, being higher than years past. And, um, you know, on top of just all this different PPE manufacturing. Uh, and then I guess above all that, we decided to completely rebuild our entire shop. So <laughs> converted all of our ski presses over and, and just really organized all this through, you know, from uh, really about May until current. So we're just now on the tail end of that and starting to really just focus on ski manufacturing at this point. When you say you quote unquote converted over your ski presses, what does that mean? The way that we were building skis up until really this summer, I guess spring, was we were pressing them all one at a time. And there's a lot of reasoning behind that. Uh, being as custom as we are, how many things are changing on the fly constantly, you know, just changing camber profiles, layup styles, whatever it may be to that particular product. Just doing that one single layup was, was a much more refined and kind of easier way for us to approach it. But we did identify that that was a huge bottleneck for us. Really having to go through a press cycle, cool that mold down, go through a whole nother press cycle. Mm -hmm. And so now with the amount of molds that we had, that was really probably the biggest undertaking through this whole transition was remaking every single mold for every corresponding shape into a dual bay and then also converting all the presses over. So that said, I guess while we're there, um, now we have three ski presses with the capability of pressing all the way down to a 130 and all the way up to a 212 centimeter length. So with that massive length span, you know, again, from a 130 to a 212, we can do any camber iteration on any mold across these three presses. And it's quite an engineering feat. You know, we, we really didn't, reinvent the wheel on how ski skis are pressed here but being able to adjust these things quickly and on the fly was a very very big target when i was redesigning these things and it's been just so cool to see how much faster it's made things happen whereas we're pressing like 20 skis in two days and that wasn't even kind of close in a week last year so it's the the efficiencies are there and not only the efficiency piece, but the quality, you know, we, we've just re-upped all the molds. I've learned so much over the course of 15 years of it being involved in this project and everything's just coming out flat and exact and exactly how I want it. So it's kind of a strange year to, to undertake it because we had, we, we had this planned before COVID. Okay. <laughs> and so we yeah. were like, like, all right. And then we, we actually had this planned like almost a year before and then just, it, it really couldn't happen. There's just too many things going on and, it got kicked down the road and then this one we we're talking about in kind of january february and i was like all right there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to stop this and of course like the most you know absurd thing that could have happened to, to add complications to this did and you know that said we we had to come to the challenge and, and get it done i'd say we're we're all pretty proud with how things came out there and 
if you come to the shop, which I hope you do, if you're you're down in Denver anytime soon, you'll you'll see it's an entirely different facility. Same space, but like it just like internally a different facility. You're still in the same location. Correct. We have not moved locations, um, which we are well grown out of that current location. We're we're really kind of fighting for general square footage there, but you know it's just. Kind of the nature of the beast in Denver, commercial real estate there is a very, very competitive market. So um, we're making do with what we got and it's working, but, uh, you know, we do have that space up in Aspen, which has helped immensely with um, some extra office space, retail space, uh, you know, whole custom fit center up there. It kind of helps wear the burden or, or share the burden of, you know, not having to have all heads in the manufacturing space. Uh, cause it be, can become extremely difficult to, you know, be in the front end of the business while that place is firing on all cylinders. What else was going on with you guys kind of along the lines of the PPE stuff? Yeah. So after we kind of did a couple weeks of producing the, the, the face shields, we realized a pretty dramatic change or shift in the market where, you know, there was just a, a pretty huge saturation of availability there people just didn't really need them as much. And so we started noticing a lot of businesses around us, you know, needing to open up, uh, reopen rather safely. And it really all started, um, sorry, man, I'm fumbling here. Um, sorry. Let's see. So the plexiglass partitions all really started with us having a, a lunch spot down the road that was shooting to reopen right after the uh, the closure from from COVID, and they needed a huge plexiglass partition to separate uh, their cashiers from uh, their order window. And we got contacted by them and built this big custom installation for them, and that kind of immediately started the internal conversations with us of like, wow, pretty much every business out there that's going to reopen that has any kind of customer interface is going to need one of these. We looked at the market, realized there was massive, massive turnaround times on ordering these from, you know, whether it be Amazon or what other, you know, other suppliers you can find. And we started to, to manufacture these things. So it started with us just making some, you know, predetermined sizes for cashier shields that we're selling immediately. We were selling these to law offices. We were selling these to restaurants in Missouri. We were selling these, you know, to hairstylists. We were selling these just to, you know, any and every restaurant that was trying or, or, or business rather that was trying to reopen safely. Um, but we pretty much immediately noticed a huge demand for custom installations. So we started getting contacted by people directly within our networks. For example, Evo. Um, you know, they've got a huge brick and mortar here in Denver, uh, as well as one in Seattle and one in Portland. And so they're faced with some pretty interesting problems of like, how are we going to do boot fitting this year? That is a very, you know... Uh, face-to-face -face situation you're spending a lot of time with somebody how are we going to do this safely so it initially started with uh, us being contacted by the manager at the the evo denver location he was like hey mike you know we know you're doing this what do you think about coming down here and kind of you know spitballing some ideas with me and let's see what we can come up with so we did a huge huge install for them um, to really outfit a hundred percent of their boot fitting situation which uh, it, it was extensive. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of material. And after we did it, uh, lo and behold, Bryce 
you know, top brass at, at, at Evo shows up to Denver and is like, holy cow, what have you guys done here? This is great. Do it to the other two locations. So um, we were a little bit reluctant to take on the full contract because there's just so many, you know, complications and shipping these really large things all the way out to Seattle and Portland. Um, but long story short, we were able to complete them in a very quick period of time and, and got these things shipped out. And, you know, it, it's pretty cool, a very cool feeling to be a custom ski manufacturer that's assisting in a retail location to be able to do their job. You know, they, they were kind of in a weird position for a very long time where they're like, we don't know what to tell clients. We can't safely do these boot fittings. Uh, and then now they have a solution. So that was a really, really unique one. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a pretty wild experience in general from, you know, just understanding this entire kind of supply chain of this material and how, how tough it got for quite some time to even source clear plastic material. You know, there's really three types of it, acrylic, polycarbonate, and PVC, all of which were sold out for very, very, very long periods of time. And when we're trying to figure this out as, you know, a, a small manufacturer here, it, it served its, its complications. But um, we're very proud as a company to be able to help with that. And, um, you know, not only Evo, some other big ones to mention, we, uh, we did the entire food court for Regis University. Um, you know, we, we've helped out with a lot of schools, um, just tons and tons of different businesses. So it's been very cool from a community to really a countrywide level to know that we're actually assisting and, you know, getting businesses back open to the ability to, to do what they're supposed to do safely. So I think the last time you and I were talking, you were just beginning to mention the Aspen shop or had just opened it, something like that. But give us a little bit of an update on that. Like, what is that for people who might not know? Yeah, absolutely. So if memory serves, I believe our last conversation would have been September of 19. So, you know, a year and a month ago. And that was right when we were putting together the, the final plans and the final structure of how we wanted this to, to shape up. So essentially what the space is, is it's a seasonal pop-up. So we're not committed to a 12-month you know, leasing situation there. Um, we're friends with the, the bike shop in Aspen. It's called the Hub of Aspen, um, right downtown, 616 Hyman, right across the street from um, the art museum. Um, and so anyway, you know, as you can imagine, the bike shop doesn't have a whole lot to do in the winter months. And so we were able to insert ourselves and created a really, really unique program there where one, we had a retail offering, which we coined our SIG series or signature series, which was just really fantastic Folsom skis that were, you know, ready to buy on the spot for a cheaper price. And then we also had a full custom fit center there. So that was kind of two tiers where you could just kind of fall into our traditional custom fit pricing, which would be our traditional two week turnaround time. Or if you remember this, we offered that totally wild two day turnaround time, which you know came with a price. It wasn't totally drastic, but when somebody would come in and if they had that order completely in our hands by three o'clock within that business day, we would have skis up to Aspen within two days. And that, you know, I know when we talked about that, yeah. you were like, you're, you're, you're insane. Your guys yeah. are going to take you out back and kill you. And, and yeah. you know, that didn't happen. We, wow. we, we were able to make it through the season 
in a really healthy manner. And it, you know, it, it really wasn't that stressful. We were able to really navigate that in a very clean manner, which I think all of us should be very proud of. It was something where I never saw tension between, you know, from my sales side to my production side. It was a clean conversation. The only one singular time I can think of where we had an upset client was completely FedEx's fault. (laughs) They they missed the mark on getting some skis delivered when they were supposed to. And, you know, we had to you know, fall on that sword and and say, okay, you know, here's what happened. You're going to, you know, get a refund for this piece of money. But that was the only single complication there. So yeah, to kind of drive back to what Aspen is, is we're going to, we're going to reopen it this year, starting in November. Um, We're going to be taking on a little bit more space, a little bit more office space as well. And we plan on operating all the way through April. So it was a bit strange last year with the forced closure first year really doing well in that market and then all of a sudden you know mid-march hits and it's like well close doors try to figure it out but that said we had just a fantastic year up until that point so yeah we're we're really excited to, to be back up there and um like i said for not only just being excited to have that place it, it really has helped kind of spread the company out and you know have more of the custom fit location outside of the manufacturing facility because we are in such a small facility it's it's 5000 square feet but it's not tiny just to get it's not a dunkin donuts shop or something I right mean. it's just there's so much equipment and when i got you know 10 guys in there firing on all cylinders just trying to have a conversation in the front office is frustrating so send sending some guys up to aspen hey go hang out at the you know the counter in Aspen and field some calls. And I don't get much pushback there, believe it or not. <laughs> I was about to give your crew some some crap about not having taken you out back and killed you. <laughs> and then I thought about like what I do with my crew and thought I probably shouldn't right now be like advising like, you know, a uh, squad murdering <laughs> because I would be <laughs> next right after you, I think. So the firing uh, squads re-aiming. Yeah, so, so shout out to the blister team. Thanks for not murdering me. Uh, and, uh, you know, shout out to the Folsom crew for, uh, yeah, for, for leaving Mike alive. It's very sweet yeah. of all of you. Yeah. Likewise, that's, you know, that, that's something that's certainly worth mentioning and I'm sure you feel the same way, but just the talent density that I have in my business is just immense. And it's, I can't thank my guys enough for how hard they work. And, you know, every time I ask something of them, they, they always exceed my expectations and I never get pushed back. And it's, it's just such an essential thing for a small growing business like this to be able to be nimble, especially in the world that we're living in right now. Couple questions before we get to specific ski stuff. You've mentioned that you, aside from April, May, were having like record breaking months. Um, I'm curious if you are seeing a expansion of who the Folsom customer is, or does it still kind of feel like we have the same folks hitting us up? There's just more of them now. How much of a sense of that do you have? Uh, we, I mean, I have a really good sense of that. Um, and I would say it's a little bit of both. We're seeing quicker buyback cycles where the same customers coming back and just filling out their quiver, you know, you know, specifically in this season, we're seeing people rounding out their quiver with more touring specific skis. You know, I've got this for resort. I've got this for, you know, front side, whatever it may be starting to fill out that side. So the repeat clientele has just become 
more consistent coming back sooner and we are just doing a really good job on our marketing end from a digital platform of expanding our networks and we're seeing a lot of new clientele coming our way that said we are trying to continually kind of refine our custom conversation our custom process to make it easier for the end user you know this can be a really intimidating thing especially if you don't see yourself as an expert skier if you're somewhere in the middle or you know, more of a beginner, you're like, oh, custom skis, my gosh, what an overwhelming conversation. I'm not prepared for that. So we're taking measures to make this just easier for that end user to understand it. We're, you know, putting more things in place on our website to show what's more common with, you know, different material pairings and um, really just trying to give, again, that more educational piece up front. One of the many reasons I love doing these things is it, it, it allows us to have a platform to, you know, speak to people that might be intimidated by this process. So to drive back to your initial question, it really is, I'd say, you know, I hate to kind of answer with a 50-50, but it very much so seems like that. Um, we're seeing, you know, the repeat guys come back sooner and then we're seeing a lot more new clientele. Uh, this This Aspen situation has certainly assisted in that as well you know we've we've always done well in that valley and now having a place where all those you know people that may or may not have actually contacted us in one way shape or form actually have a physical place to go to and can have that tangible experience on a you know actually take a ski flex it see it speak with one of us and say oh wow okay this is something that i now take seriously so yeah it's it's been interesting to see the growth there and the, the bigger the company gets, the more metrics we yield there. You know, CRM stuff is, it's a rabbit hole and a half, but, you know, we're, we're tracking that stuff closely. We're, we're paying for the software to track that stuff accurately and really weekly circling back to it and, and kind of checking, you know, who came in, how did they come here? You know, how, how can we continue to, you know, kind of move in that direction? So are you still selling like the vast majority of wider skis or are you seeing more uptick in terms of the skinny side when it comes to sales? Our most common selling width is right around 95 and about 174 centimeters long. Um, that has been pretty consistent all the way back to 2017, seeing from about 104 to a 95 with not much variance in that length, about a 174 to a 179 is the most common. So, you know, that's overwhelmingly, we're, we're still a very male dominant company. You know, we're, we're not selling to as many females as I'd like to. We build a fantastic female ski, but it's only about 25% of our um, demo. And, you know, the other 75 is coming from the male demographic. So, you know, that said, there's a lot of people coming from Colorado, lower 48, mostly, mostly uh, you know, out west, some eastern states, and we sell worldwide as well. But, you know, to drive back to kind of your, your initial width question, it's pretty rare that we're selling a ski over 110. Interesting. At 110, yep. kind of, yeah, it's, it, it's just not that common yep. these days. And we still, we have a lot in that category. And we chose not to nix any of those molds when we were redoing them because, you know, they, they serve their purpose and they're fantastic skis and we still sell a handful of them every single year. 
so you know they're they're relevant we we keep them around you know the rapture at 120 underfoot you know the bto at one what is it 118 117 underfoot we're still selling a lot of those but overwhelmingly the meat of the market is in between that 95 and 105 for us which i feel is probably pretty consistent with most of uh what we would consider our competitors around here Mm -hmm. so we've actually we're you know about to send our (laughs) buyer's guide to the printer like tomorrow morning which as soon as i'm done with this call i'm back to like well actually probably staying up all night to like put the finishing touches on with luke but um we've actually been talking a lot about the spar 88 in the last couple of days How's it doing in terms of sales and have you changed it at all in terms of say like the stock version of it that we have tested? So the Spar 88 quickly turned into one of our best selling skis and I have a pretty strong feeling that's why our uh, median range went down to 95 from about 100 and yes, yeah, it was 105 the year before. So, you know, having that 88 underfoot ski it's 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 just been selling like hotcakes specifically in the aspen market for us uh aspen straight up doesn't sell skis over 105 millimeters wide you just don't see it you go to any retail location there and they might carry one or two skis around that mid-width 105 range but most everything is in between you know mid 70s to mid 80s so the spar 88 has been doing really well for us and kind of has stemmed into a you know, a whole line for us. Now we're, we're running actually a Spar 78 and new for this year is a Spar Turbo. So not to drive into those yet, the Spar 88 is relatively unchanged from last season. Um, as far as the stock series that we're going to be carrying in that signature lineup in Aspen, it's going to be a very similar ski to this year. That said, we are going to be offering an entire different iteration of that ski that is going to be very touring or backcountry specific. So what we have found with this Spar 88 is it makes a very, very good lightweight kind of do everything setup. Um, we've had a couple athletes get out on these and, you know, we, we can build a pretty sturdy Aspen Bamboo 100% carbon layup Spar 88 that's only coming in at, you know, 14, 1500 grams, depending on the length we're going for here. And it's still a substantial ski. It's not, you know, so light that it's fatiguing on the way down, but it's 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 taking a lot of weight out on the the uphill. So we see that this, you know, clearly is kind of the way the market's trending this year with the unknowns of what's happening and you know the the resorts opening. Are they going to close? Who knows? Are they going to continue to you know groom and allow uphill access? So you know, with not totally knowing exactly what's going to go on with you know all, all these different announcements. Um, we find it pretty important to, to kind of lean into that side of things and start to put some more effort towards our touring side. So that Spar 88 will be um, offered in our signature series up in Aspen in a, uh, a touring full carbon option, as well as the primary 104, um, which, if you recall, all started with our conversations around the Blister Pro 104. So... We noticed that that ski was doing really well for us. It really fit within our primary line, so we decided just to to name it, you know, kind of within that that vein as the primary 104 for custom builds outside of the Blister Pro. And we found out that ski was a fantastic touring ski. 
Um, it paired very, very well with having that Aspen bamboo core, 100% carbon layup, as well as a touring tail. It's just kind of that, that, you know, most desirable width for most people that are getting out into the backcountry. So that is the ski that we're going to have complementing that Spar 88 for the touring specific line that we will carry up in Aspen. So we'll have uh, that 88 underfoot and that 104 underfoot uh, category covered for uh, backcountry. Well, part of my interest in asking you about the Spar 88, I would like the rest of the ski industry, and I know that a lot of folks in the ski industry are listening to this podcast and to this conversation. Sometimes the way you get ahead in the world is by not changing. And you don't know this because I haven't told you, but that Spar 88 that basically just in a way went up a notch in terms of well awards and its standing in certain categories because other companies changed their skis and it's not even that they changed it into something bad but it's different enough that like that spar 88 now it is the most versatile all mountain ski of its width in our entire buyer's guide and like, you know, um, well, and I'll say, I mean, that was always the title held by the previous Blizzard Brahma. I'm on record. I've said it for years. I thought that ski was unbelievable. And we've always been like, but the Spar 88 is like right there. Well, Blizzard changed the Brahma. And, and in, in fairness to them... It is a very good ski now. It is just a very different ski. But when we're talking about recommending like somebody that wants a ski that's skinnier than 90 millimeters, that's good on groomers, but actually is very comfortable off-piste, it's now like definitively that Spar 88. It's actually now the sub 90 millimeter all mountain ski. So there you go. You're welcome. That, yeah, well, that is a huge, huge compliment, man. Seriously, you you have not told yeah. me that, and that is music to my ears. Um, you know, and there's a lot of reasoning behind why we don't change skis just year over year. We're not motivated the same way that most companies are. I don't have marketing teams pushing me around saying, hey, we need something new to put into this ski so that we can sell it as something totally different. It's like, no, we hit the nail square on the head on that one, and I'm confident that we did and this is this is what it is and this is what we're you know putting it into our lineup as also you know we're growing as a small business but we're not growing at a crazy rate so i don't have to make you know big big crazy decisions on how my material is being sourced i can really kind of continue to build the same good product and you know if it's working well i, I don't want to sound like that cliche if it ain't broke don't fix it but that is a very powerful thing in a lot of different realms and you know for a guy that doesn't own a car newer than a 2005 yeah. there's good reason yep. yeah <laughs> you know i know how to fix everything on that it just works fine you know like i've, I've got no problems in this this that spar 88 that is again music to my ears that's that's great because we have felt that way for a long time and when we initially built that ski which is kind of a funny side note the one that you first tried was the first one ever hmm. built prototype number one that's how good we got yeah. on that one literally first try yeah. 
So when we built it, we had very clear targets. We had, you know, that Brahma, you know, that's, that's our, that, that's our clearest target there. there. You know, handful of other ones. And, you know, between talking to you, talking to a bunch of other people in my network, like, how can we improve upon this key? How can we make it just a little bit more versatile, but still maintain that oomph that people are looking for, you know, out of these 88, you know, sub 90 wasted skis. So yeah, that said, the, the ski, other than our ability to completely flip it on its head and turn it to a, to, to a, a backcountry ski, which we can do and we can do well for the signature, you know, resort intended use ski, there's nothing different about it. We've got more lengths than when we initially launched it. We've got that ski spanning all the way down to a 151 or a 150 and all the way up to a 186. So we, we rounded out that length offering just to make sure that we would have it for everybody that would need it. And overwhelmingly, you know, uh, every single client that we've had that have gotten that has, has gotten that ski from us comes back with that, you know, shit-eating grin that we love to see or hear over the phone of like oh man i just had the most fun i ever had on a ski and like this thing just does everything and so i thought i was gonna buy another ski from you but now i'm not <laughs> like oh darn it that one's too versatile but yeah man that that's that's really exciting to hear and that's that's you know one of the many benefits of being a small company like this that we don't have to be changing things just to say we changed them and then have to talk about it and you know like well we we did this just slightly different and you know it may have moved the needle in a good way or it may have you know counteracted what we were going for here so good to hear man that's that's awesome you mentioned we got a 78 now and so is this basically like yep we just kind of shrank the 88 a little bit what did you do to this new model that's exactly we we literally just took it down 10 millimeters across the board so I took it from that 88 underfoot and just likewise in the tip and tail so really what we saw here was was one we're getting a lot more ski professionals coming to us you know psia guys that are looking for skis that they want to be teaching on just really rounding out our offering for people that are skiing on the east coast we have a pretty healthy following there and you know people that are skiing on 105 wasted skis out there that's not as common as you see around here and you see a lot of people in between that 85 and really 65 realm so we wanted to have an offering that was a little bit more accessible than a lot of skis in that realm whereas you know your your uh kind of stokely's and other skis that do well there they have a lot of metal in them they're really unforgiving um you know they're they're for lack of better terms kind of bush league race skis which some people love but other people just want a reactive narrower ski that's just you know more accessible and something that's not gonna kind of rip their knees apart when they're not in the right turn shape and it just gives you better you know kind of dictation of how you want to use that ski so we've seen great success with that and we we initially just launched it with uh just a few lengths and then again we've we've rounded those out and offered a bunch more shorter skis as well so yeah that 78 has been a, a really cool addition to the lineup and it's it's kind of fun to you know constantly see those those are coming through the production line more and more and more and i just want to say for the record like i'm not mad at all about dedicated on-piste carvers that are really heavy that do have a lot of metal in them like i'm not trying to make that genre go away at all mm -hmm. i just actually think we might see more confusion 
on the skinny end of the ski spectrum, if we're looking at like 88 millimeters wide down to like 68 millimeters wide, I actually think there's more confusion there about skis than if we're looking at the like 104 to 114. Mm -hmm. I just see it all the time in lift lines. Like every time I go skiing or, or see somebody if I'm, you know, in a mogul field or something, and it's like they actually are trying to ski a fairly stout mogul line on like a slalom ski. Right. And it's like you, I'm guessing you don't realize that you're trying to like eat soup with a fork right now. Right. (laughs) That's a great analogy. We've really try and in our buyer's guide and in our reviews, like try to really point out, like don't take this thing off piste. Like, don't take this thing off groomers. And if you don't, and you're cool, you want a dedicated groomer ripping carver, there's some phenomenal tools out there. But it's when these companies sometimes market these things as having far more versatility than they actually have. I It's terrifying. Like, is this, I mean, it's terrifying. And, and I, I think sometimes people skiing this stuff are like, I'm a terrible mogul skier. It's like, well... Or you're just on a super terrible tool to try to go ski bumps, like at all. Well, and absolutely, and that's that's why we didn't create that ski to compete with that. You know, we 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 wanted this to be a versatile seventy-eight underfoot ski. We didn't want it just to fall in line with like here's a really heavy, very specific, you know, metal dominant construction carving ski we wanted something that's like what we we want the precision and speed of a 78 but with the forgiveness and accessibility of something that can allow you to navigate the whole mountain when you want to and not just feel like oh man i just went off piste slightly and i feel like i'm just hanging on for dear life and i uh, you know my my back and knees are already hurting because i just can't control what's underneath me so you know we we own up to that too when somebody's like you know, hey, I'm looking for this. It's like, well, we can do that, but I haven't created that product yet. This is mm-hmm. this is where we wanted to be in this market yeah. because this is, you know, really who we are in this market. We're not appealing to, you know, uh, that side of things of just the carving side. And as much as I want to start to get into building race stock skis and stuff like that, there's there's a there's a lot of competition there. There's a lot of a lot of good options. Um, we already have a lot of shapes and we do pretty well with what we're doing. And, you know, I just don't want to do something not to my full potential. I want to, when I introduce a product, I want to be very, very proud of it and know that it's filling a void and go try to find something else like that Spar 78 on the market. It's, it's, it's almost not out there. You'll see some people look at them, especially in, you know, in, in our Aspen location i keep driving back to that because that's certainly added some interesting conversations for both me and um max Tabor, who's uh, managing the space up there it's like well you know we get a lot of pushback on the camber profile and it's like well yeah why don't these people go take these skis around the whole mountain and then come back to us yep. and not just yep. go ski a groomer and say well that wasn't yep. like that kesley well it wasn't intended to be <laughs> yeah yeah you know it was intended to make this ski way more you know fun for them to be elsewhere you know, they want to go ski a quick bump line. They want to do face to six. They can do that now. They're not stuck doing the same run. So, yeah, we're we're stoked on that ski. And then, you know, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to ask about our latest spar. 
So yeah, let's talk about this Bar Turbo. Yeah, so we're super excited about the addition to the Spar line with the Spar Turbo. Um, it is 94 underfoot. We chose not to just go kind of in sequence of, you know, Spar 78, Spar 88, Spar 94, because this isn't just a simple addition of, you know, that 88 to 94. We really made this a very standalone product and turbo seemed like a very fitting addition to the name as uh, it's got a very fast turn radius ranging from 11 meters to 15 meters in the longest length so dimensions which stay static across all lengths are 148 94 120 yeah so it is a hypercharged spar that is going to make a lot of conditions very very fun um, this is actually something that we built something very similar to this in 2013 and we never really brought it to market it was something that we thought was just a little bit too much of an outlier you know didn't really think it was marketable but we had already done it and we ended up building kind of a fair amount for different team members personal use around the shop and we coined it the party carve because that kind of is what it wanted to do was make you party and carve um, and this ski again was built in 2013 very similar dimensions uh, with a 90 waist pretty much symmetrical on the tip and tail I think it was 144 90 120 or 118 something like that but more or less the exact same concept and um, you know kind of as we've evolved as a company and we've all evolved as skiers we really saw that this looked like a very very fun ski to have in our lineup um, and we thought it would really speak to our clientele as well so the whole purpose of the ski is kind of a mid-waisted ski that's got a very fat shovel with a fair amount of taper all the way through the tail so that it can literally rip carving turns in soft snow because you've got so much support there um, what we suggest with this camber profile is, is something very similar to the Spar 88, just that directional rocker, a little bit of favorable rocker up front, positive camera underfoot, light release in the tail, um, which is going to create a very fun pow ski, believe it or not. Sure, are you going to want to go ski this on big AK, you know, high pace lines? No, 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 no. Like you don't want that much side cut when you're doing that. but. You know, for a lot of what you're skiing in Colorado, specifically the front range, this ski is going to be such a hoot. Um, for me specifically, coming back from a very, very rough knee injury, um, this will, you know, I actually missed all last season, which of all the seasons to miss, I, I guess I chose a kind of a good one, but um, I wasn't on skis at all last year and I'm very fired up to get back out there. And, you know, I'm. I'm now married. Um, I ski a lot with my, my family. My, my parents are, you know, 68 and 70 years old and still getting after it. And when I'm skiing resort with them, I want something that makes me have a lot of fun and not just ditch them and wait 15 minutes down at the bottom of the lift line for them. So this ski makes me make a lot more turns. It makes, it makes uh, you know, terrain just that much more interesting. Um, and believe it or not, it really does well at a lot of things. You want to go ski zipper lines on it? No. You know, it, it does have its big, like, nose. It, it doesn't check that box. But overwhelmingly, it's 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 a hoot, and we're, we're fired up on it, man. It's, uh, again, we, we rounded it out with a whole bunch of different length options. We've got that all the way down from a 152 and up to a 186 as well. So, um, yeah, 
Sorry to keep going on this one, but just a quick little color on our tip and tail shapes there. So we really wanted this thing to be a standalone and we kind of wanted to stem back to what really inspired this ski. And it was kind of supercars, hence the name turbo. And so if you actually look at the profile of the ski, you know, from the top down and you look at the tip shape, it looks like the hood of like a Lamborghini or Ferrari. And same with the tail. That's what we were going for is we wanted this to look literally like a supercar if you were looking down on it. Well, look at that. You heard it here first. I feel like this is a Rorschach test. I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> pretty like scrambled at, like right now. Uh, I feel like maybe you just invented a new term a couple minutes ago. You were talking about favorable rocker. And I was like, I have never in my life heard anyone use the phrase favorable rocker. Explain yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, definitely can't get away with just making up terms here. It's it's something I've brought into my custom conversations a while back. Really? Um, yeah. It's, it's You talk about favorable rocker. Rather than getting into exact metrics with people that don't want to go there, you know, of like, here's your tip height and the splay that it's aggressing into the ski. A lot of people, believe it or not, are just like, no, I don't really. No rocker. Uh, like, I, I, I don't want to have that conversation. Right. You know, you're, oh, okay. you're, you're the expert. You just tell me. And so I say favorable when they're looking for that of like, it's got enough rocker in the tip to make this a very functional ski. Where Okay. I, I thought you, what I thought you were going to say is not just that people are like, hey, man, I don't really know the details. Or if you start talking about splay, I'm, I'm not totally sure what you mean. I thought you meant that when customers, if customers came in and were like, I hate rocker, I am anti-rocker, I do not want any rocker, that you just started calling it favorable rocker <laughs> as opposed to like unfavorable or the terrible kind of rocker. But that's not that's not exactly. It's just if I if you don't really want to get into the weeds about splay and right and the numbers, we're just going to call it favorable rocker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it, it's kind of just my my personal ism of okay. You know, when somebody is like, okay, I understand rocker, but I don't want to get into the technical side of it. I'll just say favorable because it is favorable. It's gonna it's gonna work favorably for you. <laughs> When we get off, I'm going to tell Luke, we've got to like redo the whole buyer's guide and we're just going to use favorable <laughs> rocker like a hundred times in the guide. <laughs> yeah. And in, in, in all seriousness, that's, that's absolutely something that we've identified as a company a number of years back was not all of our clients really want that conversation or need that conversation. And so, you know, we all kind of have our own little isms of how we want to describe that to somebody and favorable for whatever reason has just kind of been something that came into my vocabulary a number of years back and it's like when i can you know and clearly i'm not speaking to the the right audience here by saying that and got called out immediately which you know i, I understand and i appreciate that um but uh you know that is something that was a useful thing for us to go through and say okay like we need to identify when this conversation needs to be had and we also need to identify when we just need to make it more accessible and just make a quicker connection to that to that client of like look this is this is going to work for you and if you'd like me to really get into the weeds here we can but um yeah funny that's it's it's, okay. it, it's it's one of those things that you know comes out of your mouth and you it kind of just becomes habit and you don't think twice about it and then uh I, and then i say and then and then i say it to jonathan ellsworth and i go oh yeah i probably shouldn't have said that one 
I can't wait for like the first time in a review I use the term unfavorable rocker. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. I don't know when, but keep an eye out for it. Well, and that's, you know, that can be uh, you know, understood in much different directions. That can mean too much rocker, not enough rocker. Yep. Who knows what right. that means? It's an unfavorable rocker. <laughs> it's, it's unfavorable. We've got more skis to get through here. So where are we going next? So outside of the Spark Turbo edition, a new offering for this season is we we added more lengths to that primary 104, which I had mentioned earlier. So now we are offering that ski all the way down to a 161 and all the way up to a 191. Like I was saying earlier on this conversation, we really found that ski had a lot of you know, good fits. It, it, it worked well as a touring ski. It worked great as an all-mountain ski. It worked great as, you know, kind of really that target that everybody wants. Whenever somebody picks up the phone and doesn't know what they want, they're like, well, I think I want something kind of in that 105 range. This was a great seller for us last year. We identified we didn't have many short lengths, so we decided to round that category out and um, bring in some shorter lengths so that we could uh, kind of fill that side out. Um, outside, some more, some more favorable lengths. Some more favorable might, lengths. One might, one say. might say, yeah, yeah. And again, that ski really does well with uh, with our touring builds, our backcountry builds. So. Um, yet another motivation for us to, to add into that because that one was really working well at the tail end of last season for that. And um, we're again carrying that in our Aspen facility uh, with that, that backcountry style build. Do you have a ballpark weight on, say, a primary 104 touring edition asking for a friend here in like a 186? Like a 186 full touring build, so our, our Aspen Bamboo, 100% carbon, touring tail, all that good stuff, will be coming in right around that 1750 to 1850 mark. <laughs> it's like literally half a pound lighter than the Blister Pro right. per, well, per and ski. That's, and, and, that, and that's right on that threshold of where I know you and I have, have talked at length about this. That's right on that threshold of where a ski needs to be in my opinion especially for you know that 186 length if you go too much lighter than that you're going to lose a lot of performance on it and um, we can go there we have that opportunity but we really choose to focus on the performance attributes of these things and make sure that that downhill performance is intact while giving you enough assistance in the uphill so yeah that that is a lot lighter than the blister pro i mean those blister pros it's what, what are those things 23 2400 grams right around there per ski and that's always whenever one of those or similar build is coming through the lineup one of my finish guys is always like gosh my arms are tired just finishing these skis is so much more fatiguing and it's like yeah i know sorry, hey sorry, finish man. finish guys stop your complaining <laughs> they ski good yep. shut up yeah but outside of other ski additions that's that's really about it we are now offering full packages this season so that's something new we we uh Went ahead and did some skins with Big Sky Mountain products. Yeah. And yeah. we did some custom printed skins with them. So we're going to be carrying those in-house. Um, we also ended up getting a lot of touring bindings from Marker this year. So we've got kind of their whole suite available for package buys on our deals just to make it kind of a simple one-stop shop of, you know, you want that kind of 50-50 resort backcountry ski. You want just that dedicated backcountry ski. We got you covered. So we, you know, have really 
been focusing on that as a company to make this just that much easier so people don't have to be sourcing all these products from different places. Um, we're really fired up on these skins. We used one of our floral prints off of our graphics page. So it's just a, a unique skin that you've never seen out there. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a bunch of flowers, really fun. You know, as you can tell by our graphics page, we don't try to take ourselves too seriously there. And so it sounds like maybe the biggest other thing is just the touring construction because people can go that route in any of the shapes. Is that right? Absolutely. And that is okay. something that has been there for a number of years. Um, you know, we've, we've put some marketing wheels behind that, but not a ton. Again, not to sound like a broken record, it's pretty clear where the market's trending this year. So we're putting some more effort out there to make sure people understand that they can take their favorite ski from us and easily have it built in a, you know, very backcountry friendly, uh, platform. So, uh, you know, the, the combination that we like to do with that is again, that, that nice, strong Aspen bamboo core. 100% carbon fiber layup. Um, and then we do integrate a really light swallowtail, which we coin the touring tail, which is just really uh, consistent to keep that edge or that, that uh, skin clip connected on the tail. And yeah, we can, we can do that across any of our skis, um, which is really unique. And so, you know, having that opportunity to, to take our Spar 88 and do that was actually a pretty fun one because that was really not in my line of sight when I was des designing that ski. It was actually not even kind of considered at that moment. And then we had one of our athletes come to us and was like, look, man, I'm doing these insanely long tours and I love your skis, but I really need a lighter ski. I, I need it. And I'm like, cool, let's, let's see what we can do here. And we were able to take that ski and make it extremely light, but still very functional on the way down. So that was a really fun project. And, and now knowing that we can actually kind of move into that more fitness, lighter weight uh, side of things is pretty exciting. So yeah, yeah, we're fired up on that. Well, we should wrap up. I should let you get back to it and I should definitely get back to it. What else should we say before I ask you the, what you're celebrating this week? Anything? Knowing that you're on a deadline to get a buyer's guide or a book out. So that said, um, you know, I think I do want to hear a little bit more about what you guys got going on. I know, you know, you have always been a person that every time I talk to you, it seems like you got a thousand balls in the air and you're catching most of them. Um, you know, what, what's new, man? I know you got the new, um, the new podcast, more specific to the bike thing. And, you know, it just seems like this podcast has been gaining so much traction, at least from everybody around me. Uh, you know, that said, it's been really cool for me to kind of geek out on this personally because I've been building so much PPE lately. I, I really get the opportunity to throw headphones in and, and, oh, yeah. and, and listen to these things for hours on end. So, you know, I feel like I know a lot of what's going on, but uh, what may I not know what's uh, what's in the works for this season? <laughs> Flip that one on its head, huh? <laughs> yeah, you did. It's always that time of year. I mean, finishing up this book is a huge, huge effort. The podcasts, we're really enjoying them. We're really proud of them. It is really interesting. I mean, I, I hear like from the global industry that, you know, more and more people are listening to these and are really coming here in order to kind of stay up on what's going on in the industry. We're happy about that. It's cool to feel like we have a 
role in sort of directing the conversation and creating a space for these conversations. You know, we're working on something massive, I'd say, for this coming year, and I'm not ready to talk about it uh, in public yet. I would describe it as massive. Yeah, so you're right. We've not been sitting around uh, twiddling our thumbs at all. And yeah, but we hope to be able to uh, go public with this news, I don't know, week or two. Yeah, so awesome. so stay stay tuned. But yeah, we'd sure hate for anybody to think, wow, those folks at Blister are just probably sitting around not doing anything. Uh, that is, I promise you, that has never been the case. So yeah. Well, I know that and I know you personally, so I, I know you're not one to squander your time. <laughs> but on, on a more serious note, like for an individual that's been in this industry for nearly 20 years, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for what you and, and, and Blister have done here. This is some of the most important work that I think this industry needed. Um, and to kind of drive back to, you know, the, the podcasts in general, I literally assign these, your podcasts, your gear 30s, kind of all of them as homework to my staff. These are very insightful conversations. It's so interesting to hear all these different perspectives and kind of just see it really through the lens of all these different eyes, um, specifically from a, you know, a company perspective. And it's very useful internal in the industry. And I got to imagine that, you know, from a customer perspective, this is just turning into kind of the gold standard of where you want to get your information from. So Hmm. good work, man. Hmm. Pat yourself Ah. on the back. I know we've been, we've been working together for five years and many years to come, my man. Well, I appreciate that. What are you celebrating this week? Well, honestly, I have a lot to celebrate. Um, Hmm, That's nice. I've had just a a great summer on top of being just more busy than I ever could ever imagine. I'd say the singular most thing that I'm proud of is the fact that uh, Folsom Skis really faced a very strange time. You know, some of the most difficult times to be a small manufacturer, a small business in general and we thrived we 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 just immediately were able to to meet this thing head on pivot to where we needed to help within the community where we could really you know continue on with what is important to us and and really who we are as a company as a ski manufacturer and you know keep up that end of things but you know on top of that just take on more and more and more and um you know we didn't let this thing knock the wind out of our sail in any regard and i really am thankful for the team that i work with you know, where i live just the opportunities that i've had to have allowed me to get where i'm at this is a a pretty cool situation and i can't wait to see what else the future brings when things hopefully mellow out and become easier for all of us <laughs> yeah. so i'd say yeah. that's something to lean into <laughs> here here here's to solid squads for sure i've got a particular shout out person I want to shout out uh, this week. So um, um, that's that stuff's real. I mean, like surround yourself with good people or you're screwed. And uh, yeah, I think you and I are both very much aware of that. And uh, we're, we're both pretty fortunate, it sounds like. Yeah, well, and the beauty of kind of running your own gig and keeping it small, life's too short to work with assholes and you can kind of be the master of your own domain. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I've been very lucky in that regard and it seems like you're, you're right there with me. So I'll let you get back to it. Cause I know you got a shit ton of stuff to do more or less. I'm just trying to figure out how to fit my dirt bike on top of a razor this <laughs> evening because <laughs> I'm going out to Moab on Thursday and, uh, 
I haven't really pulled this one off, so this should be pretty hilarious trying to put my my, my brand new 450 on top of uh, uh, an RZR turbo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. You, All right. You know on I that like note, my motorsports. I do know this. Um, <laughs> hey, man, good to catch up with you. And uh, do say hi to your team from all of us here. Best of luck going forward, and uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Likewise, man. Appreciate this conversation as always, and uh, can't wait to hear the big news. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right. Take care, man. Okay, what we're celebrating this week, now it's my turn, and I am recording this at 9.06 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, and this week I have in my hand Whistlepig's 12-year-aged rye whiskey. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was drinking Whistlepig's 10-year rye, and that one, I always drink it with one big cube. It is a big rye whiskey. But with the 12-year, I take it neat because this one, in a word, is smooth. Okay, so I've got my 12-year, and this week I've got three things. First thing, I am going to raise my glass to the Chicago Bears because they are currently hanging in there against the Bucks. We're probably not going to win. Last I checked, we just went up by like one point. We hit a field goal. But I am mostly just so happy that they finally benched Mitch Trubisky. Don't tell Mitch that, but man, that dude needed to go. Okay, second, I'm going to raise my glass this evening in celebration of getting our buyer's guide turned into the printer. As I said at the top, this is just a massive effort every single year, and I very much believe in taking a minute to celebrate anytime you get released out of the what I call the deadline dungeon, and you turn in a big thing. And we're also going to celebrate again for sure once we and you are actually holding a copy of the guide in our hands. So we're going to celebrate this thing a couple times because it, it warrants it actually. Okay, third thing. Last but definitely not least. I want to raise a glass to Kristen Sinnott, who over the past couple of weeks has definitely been down in the trenches with me, working hard on several different initiatives here at Blister. So if you happen to appreciate uh, what we're doing here at Blister, then you need to know that Kristen who I am fortunate to count among my best friends and who I also love giving a very hard time to, Kristen is simply making shit happen here. So Kristen, thank you. We love you. You are one of my friends who literally helped me walk off of a mountain after I broke my neck. You are my valued colleague and you are a big part of the reason why I believe that we have the best crew in the game. And now, while I think that your husband, Pat, is definitely cooler than you, and I am pretty much always on Pat's side when you two have a disagreement, like always on Pat's side, actually, I very much appreciate you getting in the trenches with me lately. We've been going hard, and Blister is simply better because of you. So tonight, I raise my glass to you, and then actually come to think of it, you and I were supposed to get on a call, like... 10 minutes ago to discuss some other stuff. So I better wrap this up. Okay, to Kristen. 
Cheers. And that is it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Mike McCabe for the conversation. Be sure to go to Folsom Skis to check out what they've got going on there. And then be sure to become a Blister member or order your copy of our buyer's guide if you haven't already. Let's keep this thing going, right? It's about the community. Let's keep this thing going. Other than that, we've got a great episode and a couple of first-timers coming up on our Blister podcast, which will drop this Monday. So stay tuned for that. And then you all really, truly need to go check out our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast that we published yesterday about gravity scooters. It will blow your mind. You need to know about these things and that they actually exist. So go check out our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, Gravity Scooters. Okay, finally, and of course, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.